What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Jesse Strauss. In just a moment, we're going to hear audio from an event called Thanks Taken Rethinking Thanksgiving. It took place at La Peña Cultural Center in Berkeley on Sunday, November 19th of 2023. As we approach the Thanksgiving holiday, the purpose of the event is to challenge colonial narratives, support our native communities, and to reflect on our relationship to the colonized lands that we occupy. Before the pandemic, Thanks Taken was an annual event, and for the first time since then, it returned this past Sunday to a sold-out audience. It's a political and a community space, and it is also where Karina Gold first publicly launched the Shumi Land Tax. We'll be hearing from our MCs from the evening, George Galvis and Kriya Gomez. They'll be doing the rest of the introductions throughout the hour. I'll hand it off to George to set it off. How many of y'all know the true story of Thanksgiving? Those who don't know, the earliest recorded history of a Thanksgiving acknowledgement goes back to pre-United States, the Massachusetts colony in which there was a genocide that occurred of the Pequot nation. It was women, children, elders who were marched into their longhouse and they were burned alive. And the governor of Massachusetts at the time declared it a day of Thanksgiving for winning a battle. How do you win a battle for marching elders, children, women, and setting them on fire? And I mention that because it's the same kind of gaslighting. It's the same kind of revisionist history we're seeing right now happening with our relatives in Palestine. Like they keep referring to it as a war as opposed to a campaign of genocide. And so I just want to ground us in that. And I want us to think a little bit about all our elders, all our ancestors, all those who have fought, all those who have bled, all those who have scrubbed floors, all those who have cried, all those who have died so that we could be here today. I want you to invite those spirits into the room and just take a moment of silence to reflect on that energy and reflect on those ancestors. Y'all feel their energy? Bring them into the space, invite them into this room with us. We, we also just wanna take a moment and ask for folks to send some good energy to Morningstar Gali, who was supposed to be here um, and MC. Um, you know, she is an amazing movement leader. Um, you know, this time of year, you know, we always call it like the, the, the indigenous, it's like our indigenous holiday because everybody invite us to go speak at things. Um, and Morningstar does a lot for our community, um, but she's ill right now. And um, it's just a reminder that as, you know, our community leaders come up and they continue to support um, all of these movements, that it's important for us to hold our peace and movement too, so leaders can rest. So we just ask you to take a moment and send her some energy. The first person I'm going to invite up is the person who initially created things taken back in 2006. He was born and raised. Traditional village of Huichin, unceded, occupied, Muek Maloney territory. Ariel Lucky is an interdisciplinary artist and activist. This year, he handed the reins over to La Peña to continue the legacy of things taken, and he's also here to set us off. Ariel's people are Akinashi Jewish and white settlers, and he organizes with Jews on Ohlone land. 
He is also the development director with the Segurate Land Trust and was part of the team that created the Shumi Land Tax. Please give it up for Ariel Lucky, y'all. What's up, family? So my name is Ariel Lucky. I use he and him pronouns. My people are Ashkenazi Jewish, Dutch, English, Irish, and Scottish white settlers on this continent. So I was born and raised in Oakland in unceded Lashawn Ohlone land. I didn't know that at the time, right? And uh, I think I was 19 before I, I learned and first heard the word Ohlone. So, and even though my parents are, are activists, right, social justice, like there was organizing and activism in my life from the beginning. And even in a politicized household like that, I didn't hear the word Ohlone until I was 19 years old. I learned stuff about indigenous folks in other places, right? I learned about the, you know, the battles in the plains and, the, you know, of course, the myth of Thanksgiving. But I didn't know anything at all about the people right here. So uh, in my 20s, as a young person, I was asking some big questions about my life. Who am I? Who are my people? What am I supposed to do, right? Just like grappling with it, like young folks do. And it occurred to me that my family history might be a place that I could look to find out some more. And so I went and interviewed my grandfather. My grandfather grew up on a ranch in Wyoming in the 1920s. This was like Wild West, right? Cowboys and horses, right? That whole thing. And I was asking him, you know, about this ranch as a, as a young adult. And I was asking him different questions. And I said, how did our family get that land that the ranch was on? And he said it was a homestead. And I was like, what? What's a homestead? I don't really remember that part of my U.S. history class because it was hella boring. And he explained that it was free land given to the government, to our, to our family, right? And I said, who lived on that land before our family? And my grandfather, being at the time the 75-year-old Midwestern Republican white dude that he was, said it was empty. That land was empty. And I knew at that time that it was, of course, not empty, right? But I didn't know anything about the indigenous people who had, of that land. I didn't know, right? My ignorance was thick. And, and I learned, of course, that that land was emptied as a project of the colonization and genocide of Native people across this country, right? But that lit a flame for me, and I decided I had to research and find out more. And I found out where the ranch was, and I found out, of course, that's right in the middle of Lakota and Northern Cheyenne and Arapahoe Territory. And of course, there were major battles all over that area. And then I found a specific battle right down the road from where my family's ranch was in 1876, about 40 years before my family got there. And I realized for the first time that if that battle hadn't happened, if the U.S. Army hadn't attacked that band of Northern Cheyenne folks in the middle of the winter and murdered a bunch of people and kicked them off their land, my family would have never gotten that ranch. And my grandfather's life would have been totally different and my life would have been totally different. And in this one particular way, my white family has benefited directly from the genocide and colonization of Native peoples. And that's just one little story out of all of our generations. Turns out one out of every five 
white folks in this country has at least a, a homestead back in their family, right? Somewhere. And 10% of this country was homesteaded at one point in time. So if you talk about accumulated economic and political benefits, right, from these systems over generations, um, I ended up turning this story into a one-man show called Freeland that I actually premiered here at La, La Pena back in the day. Um, and for the first time, actually, as of right now, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. And I was so, you know, obviously devastating to learn that I am a part of this system, right? That I am benefiting, I am Im implicated, I am complicit, right? My people are in this thing. What do we do with that, right? And then I came back to Oakland after spending some time in like South Dakota and Wyoming and all these things. And I realized at that point, it like hit me over the head like a sledgehammer, the level of ignorance that I had about my own home. I didn't know anything about shell mounds or the missions or the gold rush, right, or all of these things. And so I started researching into all of these things and trying to find out what happened, what was happening. And it was interesting because when I turned 19 and heard the, the word Ohlone, it was because folks were organizing to prevent the development of the Bay Street Mall in Emeryville. And I didn't know at the time, but that was Karina Gould and Janella Rose and Indian people organizing for change who were organizing. And trying to, trying to stop that mall from desecrating the shell mound further, the largest shell mound in the Bay Area. And so a few years later, they, was, they started organizing these shell mound walks all around the Bay. And I started trying to just kind of show up. How can I support? What can I do? I feel like I got to do something to be a part of the healing and transformation of this history and this lineage and this legacy. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I make lots of mistakes, right? Like... Just figuring it out. So I started going on the walks and just kind of volunteering and helping out. And then, you know, Thanksgiving happens. Every year this thing happens, right? And it's like, oh, here we go again. And so I realized, like, Thanksgiving is some white people. <laughs> you know what I mean? We made this up. This is, this is like our mythology, and in some ways, this is our responsibility to, to like fix this stuff, right? We've been telling these lies to our children for a long time. So, you know, it's not even just that the like story of Thanksgiving is wrong. It's just like inaccurate, right? They didn't have turkeys and pumpkin pies. That's like factually inaccurate, and yet we still just, you know, perpetuate this stuff. But it's also like historically wrong in that it gives people the exact opposite impression of the relations between the pilgrims and the, the white British settlers and the Wampanoag at the time. It like tells this story of like friendly, hardworking neighbors getting along, being so thankful, like all this, you know, it's like the origin myth of this country, right? And shrouded in white supremacy and Christian supremacy and, and uh, sanitizing, like what George was saying, the brutal, horrific murder and betrayal, right? Folks invited a chief and all of their family to a feast and poisoned them to their face, like toasted them, right? Like the specifics of what happened is the worst of humanity. 
the worst of humanity. And this is just right behind the veneer of thanksgiving. So we have to tell the truth, right? We got to tell the truth. We have to just keep interrupting. And it's not palatable at the dinner table right on Thursday with Uncle Joe or whatever, right? It always feels like uncomfortable to me to like be the one to say the thing, right? Like, yeah, it, yeah, but you all know what this is really about, right? But we got to do it. We got to talk about the truth. You know, the other, here's some crazy thing. Uh, Thanksgiving wasn't even a thing until the 1860s, right? Like the events happened in 1620s. And then in, in the actual 1860s, right, after the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was president. And they were trying, they were like in the process of trying to rebuild nationalism, weave the North and South back together. They were like, we need a holiday that unites everybody. And they basically just made the shit up. At that point, two, almost 250 years later after the fact, right? And so that's what it's about. It's about propaganda, right, for the nation state, the U.S. empire, all of these things. And I think it's really important. Underneath it all, the shape of colonization is about extraction and it's about taking. And people, you know... European folks came here. They came here for land. They came here for resources. The first thing they took was people. There was a slave trade on the, in, on the, in, you know, the East Coast. They were stealing people and bringing them back to Europe for labor, right? So you take the people. You take the land. You take the water, the resources. Then you start taking languages and names, right? And it's just the taking and the taking and the taking. And that is the shape, of this settler colonialism, this, this extraction system that we're living in. In some ways, it's embedded in our economics, right? Profit means taking more out than you've put in, right? So that's not reciprocity. That's not right relationship. That's not mutual aid. That is extraction. And we see that today. This is not over. Oakland is still occupied land. The occupation, occupation is not over, right? We are still living in this system. And that's true here, and that's true in Wampanoag territory. And like George said, it's happening in Palestine right now. There's a land grab happening. And as a Jewish person, and even more than as a Jewish person, as an American taxpayer, I know that my hands are dirty right? Because the United States military and government are funding that violence. And we are all part of, like, what are we going to do, y'all, to interrupt this system? Because it's happening here and it's happening around the world. None of this stuff is over. We're all in the middle of it. So taking. And if the shape of extraction and colonialism is taking, and again, this question of, like, what are we going to do about it? To me, what makes sense is, like, the question is, what can we give? What can we give? So when Karina and Janella started the Segorate Land Trust, an urban indigenous women-led land trust here in Lashon Ohlone territory, and they put forward this bold and beautiful vision of rematriation, 
of re-indigenizing the land, of bringing land back into indigenous hands and into women's leadership. And we were talking about how we can support and sustain this work. And we created the Shumi Land Tax. And it's kind of amazing to be back here because we launched the Shumi Land Tax at Thanks Taken in 2015, exactly eight years ago. So it's a trip to be here today. It's like a full circle moment. And Shumi is a Chochenyo word that means gift. It's about giving. And so when Karina and Janela talk about restoration and rebalancing, when they talk about rematriation, and for me, I'm like, well, what, what does that mean for the rest of us who are not indigenous, right? Who are guests on this land? How can we be good guests? And what does it mean for us to be giving? Things taken, you know, is like the question is, is it giving thanks? Is that what we should be giving right now? Or is it Shumi? Is it, is it land back? Right? Is it our time and our labor and our effort and all of our, our life force that we can be giving to support this rematriation movement and the indigenous people on this land? And I'm going to shut up now. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you. So, you know, since um, the beginning of the inception of the holiday that is known as Thanksgiving, um, my people have been fighting very hard to take back that narrative. Um, and thanks to, um, you know, my indigenous relatives from all over, um, we now know, right, that that Thanksgiving story um, and that holiday are very problematic. Here in the Bay um, and, and across, you know, the nation, um, it is a day of mourning for our people. And in the Bay in particular, we take uh, that morning um, to actually head over to Alcatraz for a sunrise ceremony. Has anybody been to sunrise ceremony on Alcatraz? But I want to just take a moment to invite you all, if you have not got your tickets, uh, to, to um, you know, get your tickets to come to sunrise ceremony on Alcatraz. It is now run by the International Indian Treaty Council. Once again, that Bill Wapapa was a huge part of um, creating. And, um, you know, pennies of those tickets uh, go to uh, holding that event down and to, you know, ensuring that um, IITC could continue to do it every year. But we wanted to make sure that you all know that um, it's an it's an amazing and beautiful um, celebration of indigenous culture um, and our way of commemorating our ancestors and again our resilience and our ability to take over the land. Um, so you are all invited. Tickets um, are you know it's sold out, uh, but you could get tickets the morning of. Uh, those of you that like boat rides at 3 a.m. definitely come on out. <laughs> So I now want to introduce Lonko Juanita Mial. Uh, she's an indigenous Mapuche leader and activist in Walmapu, a colonial known as Chile. She is Lonko of the Cholchol group of La Granja and member of the Lonko Council and plays a major role, played a major role in Chile's uprising in 2019, where she became well known for being at the front lines to protest, pro protect protesters from Chile's military police during massive demonstrations against growing wealth disparities in the country, private, 
privatization and inequality. In 2021, she ran as an independent candidate to rewrite a new constitution for Chile. Let's give it up for that. And end the one created during the Pinochet dictatorship in 1980. Juanita has dedicated her life to defend human rights through indigenous rights, bring awareness of the Mapuche people's present day fight against colonization. Please welcome our chief here. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Mari Mari la mien, Mari Mari Pucón Puche, qué hermoso verlo, qué hermoso ver todas estas personas. Gracias por tener la voluntad de venir a ver algo de nuestros hermanos indígenas y me incluyo. Escuchen también mi historia de Chile, de los Mapuche. Hello, my siblings. Hello, everybody. My name is Lonco Juanita Millal. Um, and it's so nice to see all of you listening to our indigenous brothers and sisters and to listen to me as uh, I come from Chile. Um, la mien, la mien quiere decir hermano en la, mi lengua mapuche. La mien means sibling in my language, Mapuche language. Antes de empezar, Before I start, I want to ask you for one minute of attention. The Mapuche nation does not identify with applauding. It's nice when you applaud too, but with the Mapuche people, my cry is not an applause. My cry is of war. When you want to support me, please accompany me with a yeah, 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 and not an applause. I'm going to start by saying many thanks. And I'm going to talk to you about my Mapuche nation, which is in Chile. I'm a teacher of the Mapudungu language and history where I go to schools de los niños mapuche. with Mapuche children. Nosotros como mapuche, Us as Mapuche people, no tenemos el apoyo. we don't have the support. Todo lo contrario, At the opposite, in no fact. Tenemos apoyo. We don't have support. Sobre todo para los niños. Especially for the children. Los colegios son muy precarios. The schools are in very precarious positions. Eh, no tenemos movilización. We don't have movilization para los colegios. for schools. Pero así todo, but even though, esta lonquito, even so, this lonquito, so little chief, ella hace todo lo posible para llegar a esos colegios. Does everything she can possible to get to those schools. Para hablarle a mis niños. To talk to my kids. Que tenemos que seguir. That we have to continue. Enseñarle la verdadera historia. To tell them the true story. La verdadera historia the mapuche. real story of the Mapuche people. Yo creo que todos los hermanos indígenas. I think that all of the indigenous brothers Los que están acá, pienso que también tiene el mismo problema problem, porque siempre nos mintieron hasta ahora estamos viviendo en un mundo de mentira pero todo, todo se ha devuelto se ha devuelto todo, todo vuelve es como vengo defendiendo en mi pueblo el robo de agua the stolen water, el robo de tierras, the stolen lands, 
el destrozo the destruction del medio ambiente esa es mi lucha That's my fight. y por hacer eso And for doing that, por juntar la juventud for joining, for uniting the youth, por decirle fuerza for telling them have por decirle nehuen por decirle nehuen For saying, have nehuen, have Vamos a seguir luchando We're gonna keep fighting. como todos los hermanos mapuche. Like all the Cuidaremos so nuestras aguas. We're gonna take care of our Cuidaremos waters. nuestros ríos. We're protect our rivers. Cuidaremos nuestra tierra. We're gonna protect our earth. Nuestro ambiente. Our no, environment. No, nosotros no lo destruyemos. No We lo destruimos. Siempre lo dicen a nosotros. Yo creo que a ustedes más que a algunos hermanos indígenas. I'm sure many of you le dice, los dicen. They say to us que nosotros los creemos dueños de la tierra. That we think that we're the owners of the earth. Siempre lo dice, ustedes se creen dueños de la tierra. They always tell us, oh, you think you own the earth. Y no es así. That's not right. Nosotros we, somos hijos de la we tierra. We are the daughters and sons somos of the earth. Somos hijos de la tierra. We are the children of the ¿Cómo? ¿Cómo nosotros como hijos vamos a destrozar nuestra madre? How are we as the children going to destroy our mother? Que esa es nuestra madre, nuca madre, that's tierra. Our, that's our mother, that is the earth. Por eso, that's por, por cuidar nuestra tierra, por cuidar nuestro ambiente, tu medio ambiente, tratar que no nos destruyan, que no contaminen nuestro aire para nuestros niños. Sin embargo, yo creo que en todos los pueblos y naciones eh, donde hay indígenas somos perseguidos somos perseguidos people. nosotros como en Chile, en Chile nos pusieron a nosotros They a los mapuches los pusieron la ley terrorista ¿por qué? porque el mapuche cuida nuestra Because tierra porque es nuestra madre es como, es como el sol nuestro like padre entonces, lo que yo digo, hermanos indígenas, si nosotros los pudimos unirnos, pudimos hacer mucho para cuidar nuestros ríos que no se roben el agua, para cuidar nuestra tierra que no se la roben. Yo, ya, 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 ya. Pero lo más importante yo también defiendo I also defend a esa juventud, the youth. a esa juventud que cada presidente que está de turno en Chile. Estamos casi. Ya, ya, ya. <risa> un momento, un momento, pero creo que es muy importante de decirlo. Yo defiendo a toda la juventud mapuche y no mapuche que son encarcelados por, por lo que yo estoy diciendo, cuidar el medio ambiente, cuidar nuestra agua. Pero los dicen que ya tengo que irme, pero yo quisiera cantar una pequeña cancioncita. De que cuando yo ando en mi lucha, le digo a la policía, al gobierno. Y defiendo, y defiendo a todos los presos. Y les digo, escúchenme por favor esta canción y cuando termine, grito con mi... And please listen to this song and then join me in my shout. De norte a sur, from the north to the south, de este a oeste, from the east to the west, lo liberaremos, cueste lo que cueste. We will liberate them no matter what it costs. De norte a... No, no sé para qué. 
I don't se know hicieron why. las cárceles si el rico nunca entra the, when the rich never y el enter, pobre nunca sale and the poor never leave. esta es la canción de los mapuches so Mapuche las tierras robadas the serán recuperadas las tierras robadas serán recuperadas Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love them fierce grandmas. Give it up. Give it up for Mapuche, Lonco, Juanita, Millal. So the next person we're going to bring up is a talented artist, educator, activist, organizer. If y'all ain't heard her sing, you better ask somebody, man. She got such a beautiful voice. Every time I get to hear her, man, it's a blessing. So. She is representing Michawa Wapo Nation from right here in California. Give it up for Desiree Harp. I do not speak for all of my people. I just speak on behalf of myself. And um, I tried to bring the ancestors forward into the space. But I just wanted to share this first song with you. This is really a song just to honor the warriors. And uh, I know that each and every one of us are warriors. And I also just wanted to mention a few things. So I'm wearing this shawl, it's a Mauna Kea shawl, and uh, it is the highest mountain in the world from the seafloor level. And every one of these people are willing to die in order for them to protect their sacred places. And it's also connected to the Run for Salmon prayer journey. Um, I work with the Winnemumwintu people up in Buyumpuyuk, Mount Shasta. And uh, Chief Kalin Sisk always says that when the salmon die, that we die. And that the salmon gave up their voices for us to be able to speak. And so it's important, whether we are water protectors, whether we are mountain protectors, um, you know, or whether we are um, just doing, um, you know, what is sacred in our heart we're protecting that i feel like yeah just want to honor all the warriors in this room so this next song i'm going to sing is actually called land back um and so when yeah when i wrote this song it was really to honor everybody um all the indigenous peoples across the world getting their land back including the palestinians um you know so just want to keep them in our prayers as well um and you know just keep Keep everyone in our prayers that is, um, you know, fighting colonization to this day. Right now we are on Chichenu Ohlone lands and this song was um, co-written by Deja Gold and Karina Gold's daughter. You can find this video online. Colonize the earth where you mind that Indigenous soul prairie we find that All around the world in alignment Land back, land back 
Decolonize the earth where your mind at All around the world in alignment See the new dawn on the horizon We're dependent on our mother, we are not the owners And for us to coexist, we got to get to know us Language and the land shape each other over time Native tongues, we got medicine deep inside We were stolen from her lands, now she wants us back Native ceremonies help get us back on track There is nothing that could keep us from our sacred places Ancestors calling us, they recognize our faces Real question is, do we recognize ourselves? Or do we fight over who suffered more from what was dealt? The solution is more than acquired wealth what we need is a higher quality of health. Everybody benefits from going native seeds. Every ecosystem thrives in diversity. Native voices rise up for the comeback. Give us back to the land and we heal that. Land back, land back. Decolonize the youth where you mind that. Indigenous soul peri find that. All around the world in alignment. Land back, land back. Decolonize the earth where your mind at. All around the world in alignment. See the new dawn on the horizon. Ain what if? Ati adli shanarwen. Tadini okwe adhinan. Tadini shawe adgisha. Ain himatka. Tadini nunu atmuegma. Tadini numa atupentak. Horshehu shis tushtak. Remember those seeds that we used to sow. Pass through the dreams that we used to know. Remember those ways of the natural. Giving all praise to the material Lineage, it can never be material Object, no profit, no cereal Codes, could be placed on the elements Show nothing but respect to our relatives To maintain life that's relevant No corporation should be selling it With the hands on the pockets of the lobbyists We stand with the people, no politics Restoration, the new prerogative Only take what we need and leave offerings All the nations play a part in this Ancient trade routes across continents, repatriation, repatriation, reparation and regeneration, worldwide liberation, worldwide illumination, repatriation, repatriation, reparation and regeneration, worldwide liberation, worldwide illumination, land back, land back, decolonize the earth where you mind that, indigenous soul very find that, all around the world in alignment, land back, land back. Decolonize the earth where your mind at All around the world in alignment See the new dawn on the horizon Ain what if Ati adli shanarwen Tadini okwe adhinan Tadini shawe adhisha Ain himetka Tadini nunu atmuegma Tadini numa atupentak Porshehu shisushak Land back is when people get smart. When they get smart, they humble themselves and they realize the destruction that they've caused, maybe unintentionally, the mining, the dams, the pipelines, has a cumulative effect. And that effect is devastating. And by returning the land to the people who were chosen by Creator to steward those lands in our own way, we can re-establish the guidelines so we can reincorporate safety measures, so we can develop codes to protect these waters. It's not just about returning the land, it's much more than that. And then our future will be secured. I want to give thanks to my auntie, Cheryl Angel, who's on that song. I also um, want to give thanks to co-writers Quincy Jones and Michelle Seasons. When I say land, you say back, land, land. When I say land, you say back, land, land. Awesome. Oh.
That is such a blessing, y'all. Such a blessing. Y'all were just, that was a huge treat. So we're going to keep this moving. Um, I want to introduce Brooke Thompson. Um, she's Yorak and Karuk uh, from Northern California. She's now a PhD student at UC Santa Cruz. And she's a restoration engineer for the Yorok tribe. So please give it up to Brooke. Yeah, my, my family doesn't call it Thanksgiving. We call it either feast day or turkey day, just because, right, removing itself from that false history of this narrative that's been told to us since we were kids and wanting to still celebrate because it's not like we want to be home all grumpy all day, right? We're native people. We like having feasts. So any excuse to have a dinner with family is a good excuse for us. But... I want to go more into what it means to be grateful and what it means to give actual thanks to people. Because I feel like in Thanksgiving, whether we're religious or not, a lot of the times it is giving thanks before dinner time. And a lot of that thankfulness either is about creator, whoever their name is for our households. It's about giving thanks for the chefs in our house who prepared the meal and which are usually women, so let's recognize that energy that women put into these dinners and meals and cleaning the dishes. So if you're a dude here, you know, maybe wash some dishes <laughs> before football. We like football too. I'm a big 49ers fan. Uh, <laughs> but also we won today, so it's also a good day because of that. But, you know, there's all this thoughtfulness about the people that we see directly around us, our family and friends that make it to dinner those maybe who couldn't have made it because they live too far. But I want to implore you to think deeper this Thanksgiving. And when you're at the table, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, to think about where our food came from. And when I say came from, I mean like where it really came from. And those systems that got our food to us. Because there's so many people who work, especially our farm workers, who are overexposed to chemicals, pesticides, and overworked and underpaid and exploited to put this food on our table for us. And we should give thanks and recognize that. In addition to all this food, thank you, that's grown on stolen land that was made profitable for a few people to benefit from by stolen bodies through enslavement. And not to say that we're bad people for participating in this system, we don't have any choice to. But that isn't to say we shouldn't be working to dismantle that system. So for me, when it comes to Thanksgiving, a saying comes to my mind that comes from my uncle's grandmother. So for context, salmon in my tribe is a really big deal. I'm from the Yurok and Koruk tribes, where traditionally we ate around 450 pounds of salmon per year. And that, in 2005, went down to five pounds per person per year. And now it's even less. And for context, 450 pounds is the size of a large gorilla. We're eating a large gorilla size of salmon each year. And five pounds is about the size of a guinea pig. And so, you know, we aren't getting as much salmon and nutrition as we want on a daily basis. And... It's hard because the river used to be our grocery store. It used to be where we got everything from our fish, sturgeon, eels, seaweed, sea urchins, 
to deer, elk, berries, salmon berries. It was all right there for us. And yet now we're a food desert, not by our own fault, but by design. And now we have to eat these unhealthy foods because we have to drive miles and miles to get food, that being you have a good car, to get food that lasts long and is cheap. And I can tell you the salmon is not cheap in the grocery stores. And even with that, it doesn't have the same form of relationshipality that it has when we catch it ourselves. And that form of prayer and ceremony that goes into catching every single salmon and passing down from our ancestors. And the story that my uncle was told by his grandmother was the best tasting salmon you will ever have is the salmon you never eat. It's the salmon you give to someone who needs it. And so this idea of not only being full in our bellies and regretting wearing skinny jeans or too tight of a belt on Thanksgiving, but also that fullness that comes with our spirit, that spiritual fullness that comes from helping those who need it. In the tribe, there's also this practice of feeding everyone else before you feed yourself. If you have a guest, you make sure they're fed before you feed your own family, even if you don't have enough food. And yet, Right now, we have all these houseless people on the streets. And it's hard because I feel like a lot of us, I do sometimes, create this distance in myself when I'm in my home and don't want to feel uncomfortable by these thoughts of colonization, these thoughts of poverty, these thoughts of separation. That's so prevalent when I'm here in a nice home, warm home, safe home, having a meal, prepared by those who love me and my family and friends. And yet, I know there's people who are outside and don't have that same privilege. There are those who are working low-wage jobs that aren't living wages that don't have the same privilege, and yet they're the ones that are getting that food on my table for me. And so I implore you to be sitting with that uncomfortable feeling this Thanksgiving, to recognize it, to understand that this isn't a good feeling, and that's why we should do something to change it. So as to say, take your time to enjoy your day, whether you celebrate the holiday or not. Take time to learn about the colonial past. Take time to sit with the uncomfortable feelings that come with it and to know that many of us will have the privilege to be with family and loved ones and that others won't. And then let's work the day after to make sure that more people are at the table, more people are being fed, that more people are getting livable wages, and that we're making a future that we can be proud of, and so we can have deeper gratitude and thankfulness in years to come. So my name's Brooke, and I'm from the Yurok tribe. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here with you. And that's the voice of Brooke Thompson, a member of the Karuk and Yurok tribes of Northern California, speaking at Thang's Taken, Rethinking Thanksgiving, a cultural, community, and political annual event that took place this past Sunday evening at La Peña Cultural Center in Berkeley. The event's purpose is to challenge colonial narratives, support our native communities, and to reflect on our own relationship to the colonized lands that we occupy as we move into tomorrow's National Day of Mourning and Thanksgiving holiday. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. 
The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. 